A shadow on the sun should have marked the day the way God marked Cain. A warning to Ruth her quiet world would soon be cast asunder. But that September morning, sunlight flooded the orchard, ripe with peaches, pears, and apples. Their scent carried on a breeze through Ruth's kitchen window. She savored the smell, and, black sleeves pushed above her elbows, she worked a ball of dough in steady rhythm. A wisp of hair strayed from her white prayer cap and dangled in her face. With a flower-smeared wrist, she brushed the brown strands aside. Her glance happened out the window to the dooryard, past the white barn, to the spread of gently rolling fields cut by the lane. And there they were on horseback, man and boy. Not plain, not any sort of Amish. English in their sorrel-colored pants and shirts. The man with red-veined cheeks, his hairless chin smooth as his son's, the two of them on the road. They paused at the end of her lane. Blood surged within her, and she swelled, protective as a she-bear. Mein Gott. Ruth dropped the dough. She moved fast to the door of their fieldstone house, made herself flat against the frame, and peered out. Not a peep, she said to Esther. Her three-year-old sat cross-legged on the kitchen floor, a doll in her lap, the doll in black dress, apron, and shawl. Ruth pursed full lips, her rounded cheeks flattening. The tip of her nose felt cold. Her opa had warned her against English. He told stories of hooded men in the old country, their torture rooms, and his escape across the ocean. Here, The dreaded them rode hatless, fancy collars and buttons down the front of their shirts. These two, the first English ever to step on their land, hers and Aaron's, pristine Lancaster farmland. Granted, these English came without hoods and thumbscrews. Nevertheless, having them at her door gave Ruth a chill. She put a finger to her lips. Shh. She wished Aaron in from the barn, where he'd been all morning. The boys were safe in the woods. Daniel, responsible at eleven, sent to watch Joseph and Matthew collecting nuts. Stay away from Gropa's oak, she'd told them. Who'd have thought the ancient tree climbed high would be a lesser danger than those close to home? The English guided their horses into the lane. Ruth leaned toward Esther, her voice urgent. Stay in the house. The strings of her white cap flying, she left the child working on the doll's bonnet, latched the door, and, unmindful of flowered hands, clutched her skirts as she rushed to the barn. She'd head the English off, but she needed Aaron. Ruth stopped in the tack room doorway, one eye on them, and hissed toward the stalls. Aaron! Thank God Joseph and Matthew weren't in the yard. Too curious by half, What would they do faced with hatless English? They might talk to them. Hallowing, the English reined in. Aaron came from deep in the barn, handed Ruth his pitchfork, and ducked under the lintel. He smoothed his beard and brushed straw from his black clothes. Ruth gripped the fork's handle and stood behind the door, her nose pressed to the cool hinge. She watched through the gap. 
If the English made a move toward the house, she'd... She'd what? Stab them with the pitchfork? She set the long handle against the wall. Aaron would deal with this intrusion. She listened to pigs snuffling in the barn and felt their restlessness. A change in the air to match the change in her body. Aaron, too, had been off his feed for months now, as if he were the one blessed with new life in his innards. From his horse, the English looked down at Aaron and said, People say you raise the best horses. So it was voiced throughout the plain community, but it was something Aaron never claimed. On his tongue, the words would be prideful, a sin. He took pleasure in the raising and training as Ruth did, their work blessed with accomplishment.